Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Hi folks, welcome to the Athletic FBL podcast for the 2021-22 season. I'm Mark McGettigan, you can find me on Twitter at FPL General. Long-time listeners will have noticed that the name of the podcast has changed, but don't worry, that's all that is changing. The podcast will follow the same format as last season and the 59th Minute guys will still get their shoutouts. These pre-season podcasts may be a little longer than the regular episodes if you're a first-time listener. Thank you, first of all, for checking it out, and I hope it helps you to achieve your FPL goals this season. Once the season has begun, this podcast will drop every Tuesday, and it will be roughly 30 minutes long. I always aim to keep it short and concise so that it's easy to consume, especially for those of you who have busy lives and don't have time for the longer podcasts. There's also going to be a short episode every Friday this season, which will be around 10 to 15 minutes. A lot can change between Tuesday and Friday in the FPL world, so it will be good to have that second episode each week to discuss the latest information. If you haven't hit the subscribe button yet, do it now so that you don't miss an episode. The format for the Tuesday episode, once the season begins, will be the same as last season. It'll start off with the headlines from the game week, a short game week review, Shoutouts to those dreaded 59th minute substitutions, a watch list update, answering questions from Twitter, and I always finish with captaincy and transfers for the upcoming game week. I am hoping to add a stats section to the podcast this season as well, but I'm probably going to give it maybe three or four game weeks, get some information, and then introduce that at a later date. For this episode, what I've done is I'm breaking it into two parts. The first half is going to be 10 tips for FPL success. And then the second half is going to be questions from Twitter. So I've picked out about seven or eight of the big burning questions from Twitter. And I'll cover all of those in the second half of the podcast. So first of all, 10 tips for FPL success. So this is, you know, having played the game for a long, long time now. I don't know, well over probably 16 or 17 years at this stage. You know, you pick up plenty of advice and tips along the way. So I've picked out 10, just sat down this morning, you know, off the top of my head, came up with 10 to share with you going into the new season. It's, it's always a good reminder for myself as well to do this before each new season. So I'm going to try and take as many of these into the new campaign myself as well. So tip number one, play it safe for game week one. So this is all about avoiding punts and risky picks in game week one because you don't want to buy players or pick players in game week one that you end up having to transfer out very quickly afterwards so when i'm picking a game week one team it's very boring i go for proven fpl assets only i focus on the 90 minute men so i'm going for players who i know i can trust will be on that team sheet on the first weekend of the season and who are likely to play 90 minutes we don't have any data from the season to go on so the main thing I go on for game week one is fixtures. So the first, you know, two, three game weeks, I'm looking at which teams have nice runs. You know, Aston Villa comes to mind. 
Liverpool have a nice start as well. So mainly I'm fixtures when it comes to picking a game week one squad. The main thing when you are building that initial squad, you've got to have flexibility in there. You've got to have a flexible team structure using price points. So you'll hear a lot of people talking about price points, basically setting up your team in a way that makes it easy to make future transfers. So for example, you don't have loads of money in your two goalkeepers or you don't have loads of money in your three strikers. You don't want three 10 million strikers because then it makes transfers later very, very tricky. So when you finalize your game week one team next Friday, one of the things you should ask yourself is how flexible is this team? Will I be able to adjust to the season? Because there's going to be players emerging that no one's talking about now. There's going to be players that a lot of us pick in game week one who disappoint us. Who it's all about being in a position to be able to move quickly when that does happen. So, you know, you're, you're looking at probably spreading your budget across all four positions. You know, I like to spend 8.5 million on the goalkeepers, for example. So a 4.5 million starter and then just a 4 million guy for the bench. I don't bother with, with rotation. It's never really worked for me in the past. I like the cheap strikers. So I'm probably going to have three strikers between between six and eight million this season. So things like that, you know, it'll leave me flexible for when it comes to making my transfers, game week two, game week three, game week four. So play it safe for game week one. Don't try to take too many risks. You know, don't buy too many players that haven't played in the league before. Don't buy too many players who are coming up from the promoted teams. I always say, you know, I'm going for proven FPL assets only, but like any rule in FPL, you've got to be flexible as well. You might find one or two you know, new players to the league or promoted players make it into my squad, but it definitely won't be any more than that. You know, players like Tony might make it. Players like Sancho are in my thoughts. Sancho's probably not going to make it. I'm probably just going to go Bruno. But when you see my team for game week one, you won't. there won't be any surprises. So it's the famous old saying, it's a marathon, not a sprint. I like to think of myself at the start of the race with 8 million or 9 million other FPL managers. There'll be about a million managers who try and take off sprinting in the first game week or two. I'm happy to let them go, see how they get on, and then reel them in later in the race. So yeah, for me, it's play it safe, game week one. Don't take too many risks. Tip number two is fix the weakest link when making a transfer. So when it comes to making a transfer, always focus on the weakest area of your squad. It's very tempting in FPL just to bounce around the big hitters and focus on making exciting transfers. But never ignore the weak areas of your squad. For example, if you've got two defenders who are not playing due to injury or just haven't dropped out of the team for whatever reason, you've got to focus on that because you don't want to end up some weeks only being able to field one or two starting defenders. So fix the weakest link when you're making a transfer. A couple of notes I've written down beside this one. I aim to make as few transfers as possible. So I'm going into the season now with the mindset that I want to make as few transfers as possible. In my head, I would like to make about 40 in an ideal scenario. I think I made 49 last season. So I want to bring that right back down. Last season was a bit of a throwaway anyway, because it was the COVID season. In terms of hits as well, I don't want to take too many, you know, possibly minus 20 over the course of the season. So that would be five hits. My first thought each week, once a game week is over, and when I'm looking ahead to the next game week, your first, one of the first things I always ask myself is, can I bank a transfer this week? Because I think the most natural reaction of a fantasy manager is, what transfer am I going to make this week? Which you should always ask yourself as well. Is there an option here to bank a transfer? So that next week I've got those two free ones. Because I always think if you can arrive on a Friday night with two free transfers with an extra week of information. You know, I always think most people on a Friday have one free transfer. If you've got two free transfers, 
you know, it puts you in a very powerful position. You can be more flexible with your transfers. And so this season, I'll be aiming to bank as often as possible, which has served me well in the past. And a line I always use, if you manage your squad well from week to week, you shouldn't have to take many hits. You know, I'm a manager who doesn't like to take hits because I think it's hard enough to get points in FPL without throwing too many of them away again. If you take a minus four, the way I think of it is you're throwing away a goal from a striker or a clean sheet from one of your defenders. And we know how hard it is to get those in the first place. So I always think if you manage your squad well by focusing on the weak link as often as possible, most Fridays or Saturday mornings, you shouldn't have to go for your minus four or your minus eight. So that's what I'll be doing this season, avoiding hits as much as possible. The key to that is managing my squad well from week to week. Tip number three, be patient. Now, there's lots of different ways you can be patient in FPL. One of them is giving players time to deliver. Also, not making rage transfers when things don't go your way. So, talking about giving players time to deliver. You know, you'll often see on social media, someone will buy a player. They'll give them two or three weeks. They'll get three two-pointers and they'll get sold. And then you'll see them on Twitter on the fourth game, you know, crying. Shouldn't have sold that player. He's after getting 15 points. So, obviously, you've got to judge it on a player-by-player basis. But usually in FPL... Uh, not so much in game week one, but you know, let's say halfway through the season. If you buy a player, you've done your research, you've looked at the fixtures, you've looked at the underlying numbers, and you've probably watched the player as well. So you're buying them for a reason. And if if it happens in the first two or three games that they don't get the points that you're expecting, you know, be patient because as long as they're the numbers are still good, if they're still passing the eye test, just because the FPL points are not there, you know, you've got to be patient. Give the players time to deliver. And again, that kind of fits into my strategy. Of not making too many transfers because if you if you go in with a mindset of trying not to make too many transfers throughout the season it forces you to be patient with those players that you bought for a reason and quite often that just rewards you you know it might be the fourth fifth or sixth game before they start getting you the points but quite often they do because like i said you've done your research you know there's information to back up why you're buying that player so don't be too quick to get rid of them if they don't deliver in the first game week or two no rage transfers is an obvious one if you have a bad game week or if a player really annoys you, you know, don't log in on a Saturday night or, or a Sunday and, and make your transfers out of rage. You know, step away, uh, step away from that big red button and just come back Wednesday or Thursday when you've cooled down a wee bit uh, and you've still got your free transfer in your back pocket. Because, you know, things do change very often during the week anyway. And you could regret making that emotional transfer on a Saturday or a Sunday. I've noted down here as well, if you're like me, and you like to wait for all the information before making a transfer or two on a Friday night, stick to that. So if you're a patient manager, stick to it. And on the flip side, you've got to play the game the way it suits you. If you're someone who likes to make early transfers, you know, by all means do that. But you've got to do what's right for you and what makes you comfortable throughout the season. One note on that, I am a manager who traditionally has always waited until Friday night to make my transfers. I just like I like to have all the information from Friday's press conferences, but often it just takes me the full week to really 100% decide on what I want to do. So I like giving myself that time to think over things throughout the week. There is a caveat to that though, especially if you're new to FPL, what you'll notice in the first maybe three or four weeks of the season, maybe even a little bit longer, the transfer market is absolutely crazy because you've got so many active managers, you know, eight or nine million, everyone's making moves, which is driving player prices up and down a lot faster than it will happen later in the season. So even though I'm a manager who makes my moves traditionally on a Friday night, what you'll probably find is in the first two or three game weeks of the season, I'm more open 
to making a transfer early in the week, whether it be a Sunday night or a Monday night, because quite simply, you can get left behind on certain players. You know, if someone bangs in a hat-trick on game week one, there's a good chance they're going to be 0.3 million more expensive by the time game week two rolls around. So I'm open to making early transfers in the first maybe three or four weeks of the season, and then I tend to slow it down and I go back to my traditional Friday night moves. So yeah, that covers patience. Tip number four, use the watch list feature. So on the FPL website, if you go to the transfers page, you'll see a drop down arrow that says all players. If you click on that all players box, you'll see another option which says watch list. And obviously if you've never used the watch list before, when you click it, there won't be any players there. But what you can do is you can click into any player on the FPL website, let's say you click into Andy Robertson at Liverpool, at the bottom of his profile, it will say add to watch list. So if you press that button, if you then go back to your watch list section on the transfers page of the website, you will see your list of players that you've added to your watch list. So this is something I've been doing for a long, long time. And I think it's played a part in my success over the years because what it does, it helps you to really hone in on those players that you're interested in. It helps you to avoid bandwagons you know let's say so for example on a Friday night when I go to make my transfers what I do is I have my team in front of me I don't you know look through the whole list of players on the FPL website I just click on watch list there might be maybe 25 or 30 players that are on that and that's where I make my transfers from you know I never buy a player unless they're on my watch list so it really just gives you tunnel vision helps you to avoid maybe the crowd or the noise on social media or or on fantasy football forums and stuff like that. So the watch list feature is really, really helpful and really, really useful. And basically what you do, it's, it's different at the start of the season because I've obviously got a lot of players on my watches, but I always do try to keep it at around 25 to 30 players during the season. I don't bother putting goalkeepers on it because it's a, it's a position I don't want to change at any point unless I'm wildcarding. So each game week, once the game week's finished, once all 10 games have been played, what I do is... I go to the FPL website, I go through team by team. So I start with Arsenal, Aston Villa, just go alphabetical order. Uh, and I sort by round score. So it shows me what they've scored in that particular game week. And I go through it and if someone catches my eye, who I'm interested in, I add them to my watch list. And then I also remove players from my watch list as well if I'm no longer interested. It might sound like it's time consuming, but it's not really. You can Once you, once you do it a couple of times... You can fly through the watch list update in probably 15 or 20 minutes. And it's nice to have that list of players then at the end that you know you are interested in. And then come back to that on Friday when you're making your transfers. It can save you from falling into traps. Tip number five, make a captaincy matrix. Now I can hear you screaming back into the headphones. What does he mean, a captaincy matrix? So this is something I started doing probably just two seasons ago, maybe even just the start of last season. It was a great idea I got from the guys on the FPL Black Box YouTube channel, which is very good. You should check that one out. So basically what it is, you look ahead, you pick a certain amount of game weeks. For example, let's say the first eight game weeks of the season. Uh, You go through each game week's fixtures and you pick out who you think is the best captain for that game week. And you might even pick more than one. You might want to pick out the best two captains for each game week. You know, do it on a spreadsheet or do it like me, good old-fashioned pen and paper. What it does, it makes you realise who the best captain is each game week or, or best couple of captains for, you know, a certain time frame. It will make you realise, right, I might need to buy that player if he shows up quite a lot in the captaincy matrix. Or it might show you a time where you can possibly sell one of your captaincy players if he's not, 
you know, shown up quite quite often in the captaincy matrix. So basically just visualizes the fixtures and captaincy for, you know, let's say the first eight game weeks of the season. I think what I found with this one is it's quite easy to make a captaincy matrix to begin with, but I think the key is to continue updating it throughout the season. So let's say do the first eight game weeks, then once you get closer to, to game week nine, do maybe the next eight game weeks and just make sure you do it all season because otherwise you'll end up just going back to, to maybe how you've done captaincy before and, and maybe fall into old habits and old traps. So what I found last season was captaincy for me was a strong part of my game. And I think a lot of it is down to the captaincy matrix because what I found last season was I probably spent less time picking my captain each week than I've ever done before because of the matrix. The matrix basically made up my mind for me most game weeks. Usually I would just arrive on a Friday, wouldn't bother doing any research into my captaincy options. And usually I'll just go to my matrix and just go with the one that I picked. You know, I made the matrix maybe four or five weeks before. But what you'll find is it very rarely changes the captaincy matrix because it's most likely going to be the, the big hitters, the best players in the game, and they're going to have a good fixture. You know, the fixtures are not going to change. So that's what I did. I gave captaincy very little thought last season. Uh, you know, s stuck to the big guys, Salah, Bruno, Harry Kane. Didn't sway from those three much all season. And I'll, I think I'll be doing the same again this year. You know, I've looked at it. I haven't drawn it out yet, but I've, I've had a quick look at what the matrix might look like for the start of this season. I think Salah will be probably four of the first six game weeks, which is why I want to own him. And then I like Bruno Fernandes for, I think it's game week three and game week four, when Salah's got some tricky fixtures. So that's why, for me, Salah and Bruno are just easy picks because of the captaincy this season. Now, that doesn't mean Bruno is 100% locked into my team, which I will come back to in the questions section. But yeah... Now that you've got a bit of time before the season starts, one of the most important things to do is look at captaincy. Uh, you know, I always say captaincy should be at the heart of all planning you do in FPL. Tip number six, don't let player ownership influence your decisions too much. Now, when I type this out first, I, I wrote down, don't let player ownership influence your decisions, but then I added too much because Nowadays, it's impossible to completely avoid player ownership. I try and do it as much as possible, but it's in your face all the time. It's on Twitter, it's on podcasts. So, you know, anyone who's serious, who takes FPL seriously, you're going to have an idea. You can you almost guess what a player's ownership is at any point of the season. But the key is not to let it influence you too much. So my notes on this one, try to avoid ownership as much as possible because it just leads to FOMO. So FOMO is the fear of missing out. You know, if you see a player who is 50% owned and you don't have them, you'll feel like, right, I need to get this player because he could hurt me. But that's not the case. You know, you might just not have as much faith in that player as someone else, or there might be someone you like more. You've got to stick to your own, stick to your guns and, and don't let fear rule your transfer decisions. Uh, a couple of more notes here. When you finalise your Game Week 1 team next Friday, go through each of the 15 picks and ask yourself, is this player in my team because I really want him? Or is it because his ownership is high? In other words, did I pick this player or did the crowd pick him for me? If it's the latter, replace him with a player that you want to own. So I'm someone who doesn't like to pick promoted players in my game week one team. There is one of them in my latest draft, Ivan Tony. He's in a lot of drafts. His ownership is extremely high. So that is a question I am going to be asking myself next Friday. Uh, is Tony in my team because I want him? because I think he's going to do well, because I think he's a good price point? Or is he on my team quite simply because I've been on Twitter for the last couple of weeks and I'm seeing him in every team? So that's a good example. So that's that's a big decision I need to make myself next week. Tony in 
or Tony out. So yeah, don't let player ownership influence your decisions too much. Try not, try not to get blinded by ownership. Tip number seven. This is more towards new managers to the game. Keep the chips for the second half of the season. So if you're a new FPL manager, you'll see these shiny chips, bench boost, triple captain, and free hits. And the temptation is to play them early to maybe get off to a good start. But it's better to keep them for the second half of the season because there will be occasions where we have things called blank game weeks and double game weeks. A blank game week win is when there's less than 10 fixtures in a game week, so some teams won't play. And then you've got your double game weeks where we could have you know, 15 fixtures in one game week where teams play twice. So that is when the chips are better served for. So I always just go into the season and forget that I have the chips until after Christmas. Tip number eight, manage yourself as well as your team. So I always think there's two... There's two things you've got to do in FPL. You've got to manage your team. You've got to make your transfers and, and pick your captains and all that kind of stuff. But probably more importantly, you've got to manage yourself, manage your emotions and manage how you play the game and, and your approach to watching the Premier League while you're an FPL manager. So a few notes here. Take the steps that are required in order to enjoy this game as much as you can. For example, if you're finding you're not enjoying the game as much as you should be, you can do things like limiting social media use, especially on match days. So for example, this is what I do quite often. I switch off my phone on a Saturday and I just watch match of the day on Saturday night because otherwise, if you sit down and watch every game right through, you're very emotionally invested. It's a roller coaster of emotion and that can impact your FPL decisions in the coming days after that. If you feel like you're reading or listening to too much FPL content, step back from it. You know, Maybe pick your, your favorite one or two podcasts, your favorite one or two articles, and stick to those if you feel like it's information overload. So managing the amount of information that is out there is probably one of the most important aspects of being an FPL manager nowadays. For example, if you're like me and you use Twitter a lot, you can do things like create lists. So create a Twitter list with maybe your favorite 40 or 50 Twitter accounts so that you don't have to spend hours and hours on there. You can log in and within 10 minutes, you've got all the information you need. You don't just mute accounts that you don't want to see anymore. You know, I always think it's it's easier to mute an account rather than unfollow someone. If you don't want to upset them, just mute someone and you don't have to see their, their content anymore. But lists are really good. You know, it, I think it takes away those annoying adverts that show up on Twitter nowadays as well. If you have a list, I don't think they show up in there. It can take a bit of time to make a list, but it will improve your overall Twitter experience and your FPL experience. I've also said here, this is something I do every season. I haven't done it yet. So make a list of your golden rules slash your strategy for the season before game week one and post it somewhere that will force you to read it often. So for me, I've got a little box room that I've turned into an office for all my FPL work. So on the wall with a bit of blue tack, I will be posting an A4 sheet of paper that will have my golden rules for the season and my overall strategy for the season. And what I always do then on a Friday before I press confirm transfer, I just have a quick read through that. And quite often it changes my mind or it helps me just to really, if I'm 50-50 on a decision, I'll look at the wall, I'll read through my notes and that will help me or remind me what my strategy was going into the season. Because it's all well and good having a strategy going into the season, but we know what FPL is like. It sweeps you along like a wave. And sometimes you've just got to remind yourself. So I like having that reminder 
somewhere that's always visible to me when I'm on the laptop or, or on the computer or whatever it is. So I find that very useful as well. And, and I update it every season. You know, my golden rules and my strategy is never word for word the same each season. I do tweak it slightly. So hopefully I'll have that written out before next week's episode and I can actually just share what it is with you for this season. I've noted down here, final point here on tip number eight. If FPL impacts your mood on a Saturday, recognize that and act upon it so that it doesn't happen again. So this is very, very important. Whether you're new to FPL this season or whether you're like me and you've been playing it for most of your life, it can suck you in and it can really annoy you if you take it seriously. But you've got to be big enough to recognize that it is impacting your mood and you've got to you've got to act upon that. So going back to the first point, you know, take the steps that are required in order to enjoy this game as much as you can. And only you can know what is right for you. But the key is recognizing it. So you know, for another example I, I do is I've obviously got a lot of apps on my phone that are related to work and FPL, but I use a, a free app called Stay Focused. And basically you can you know limit certain times of when you can log into an app. So for example, my phone doesn't let me log into any apps until 10 a.m. And then you can set it, for example, at 5 p.m. that it logs you out and you can't get back in until the next day. So little things like that, and that, that doesn't just go for FPL. I think most of us use our phones too much nowadays. Little apps like that are, are really, really handy. And number one, it makes you, it's scary. It makes you realize how much you're actually on your phone. You know, it shows you how many times you've launched Twitter in a day, for example. And just seeing that is enough for you to take a little step back. So yeah, use those little things to, to manage yourself well, because if you manage yourself well, there's a better chance that you'll manage your FPL team well as well. Tip number nine, reflect on the decision-making process rather than the outcome. The Premier League is a very unpredictable league. Anything can happen. You know, Norwich could go out and beat Liverpool 1-0 on the first weekend of the season. Hopefully that doesn't happen because it'll be a pretty depressing start to, to our seasons. But when things don't go your way, you know, don't focus on the game itself, the 90 minutes, what happened in the game. Think back to your process before a ball was kicked because once the deadline comes, you are no longer in control. I mean, we're never really in control as FPL managers. We, we like to think we are, but we're not really. Uh, and if things don't go your way, don't get too downbeat because more often than not, your decision on Friday night or Saturday morning was probably a pretty good one. There's lots of logic behind it. But that doesn't mean it's going to be a successful decision. There's a lot of luck involved in this game, probably more than we would like to admit, especially people like myself who've done well and you know play it very seriously. It's there's a lot of luck in this game. Uh, you've just got to try and try and set yourself up to be as lucky as you can be. Um, so yeah, always focus on the decisions you made before the game week deadline, rather than you know focusing on the outcome of those results at the weekend. Final tip number 10, don't be stubborn. Back in my early days of FPL, it probably took me took me a couple of years to get over this one. Things like not buying a player because you think you're late to the party. So I think a good example of that is Lingard last season or, or Gundogan. These guys went on amazing runs and people who were late to the party will say to themselves, I've missed the boat, I'm not going there. Or they'll just say, I refuse to believe Lingard will continue to score goals. So for that reason... I am not buying him. You can't be stubborn in FPL. I always say as well, be prepared to swallow your pride if you have to. Because, you know, I'd rather admit that I'm wrong 
and get a player in and start getting those points and be stubborn and just get left behind by the owners of that player. Uh, another example on the flip side is not selling a player who is doing nothing for you. You know, things change very quickly in FPL. Players can look absolutely amazing picks for game week one, but they could go four, five, six weeks doing absolutely nothing. You know, I said earlier, be patient with players, but there comes a point, probably four, five, six game weeks in, if they're getting you two points every week, even if it's a player like Trent Alexander-Arnold or or Mohamed Salah, you've got to be open to selling a player that you really like. So even if you go into a season thinking, I'm going to have this guy for 38 game weeks, regardless of what happens, I don't think you can do that because any player can have a disappointing season. And we don't know who that those players are yet. So if a player is letting you down and getting you two points every week, it doesn't matter if it's Trent, if it's Salah or anyone else, You know, always be prepared to sell a player. Nobody is ever 100% safe in your FPL team. That's the way you should approach it. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. So there's 10 tips going into the new season. I'm going to get into some of the Twitter questions now. First question comes in from Fish FPL. Is it worth starting with a Chelsea and a Man City player so that you don't need to book transfers in early doors. So again, if you're new to FPL, you'll hear people on podcasts and articles saying, you know, don't book transfers in. That just means, you know, not getting a player, but you'll probably have to get them later. So is that a waste of a transfer or should you just get them in initially? So my thoughts on Chelsea and Manchester City to begin the season are one big word, capital letters, starts with our rotation. So, you know, towards the end of last season, I got rid of all my Man City players and it was great not having to sweat over Pep's team sheet but I replaced them with three Chelsea players and it was even worse. So I'm quite happy to start the season without any Chelsea or Manchester City players yeah, and just see if it emerges that you know some of them are more nailed on than others. So yeah, from my latest draft doesn't have any Chelsea or Man City players and I think it's probably going to stay that way. I know they're two great teams both teams will score plenty of FPL points, but trying to pinpoint which players are going to do so is very, very tricky. So I'm quite happy to let those slide to begin with, and I won't look to buy Chelsea or Manchester City players until at least game week two, game week three, uh, when we have a bit of an idea 
of what Tuchel and Guardiola are going to do. So yeah, for me, I think it's absolutely fine to go without them. I can see the argument on the flip side. For example, if you think Chilwell is going to be an amazing asset this season, just get him, give me one. But for me, I'm happy to happy to go without. Question from Matt Halliday. How will you consider Kane for game week two at home to Norwich if he moves to and trains with Man City before the game week one deadline? So yeah, this is obviously the biggest question mark we have as FPL managers going into the season is you know who is Harry Kane going to be playing for? And is he going to break the game if he joins Manchester City? Because if he joins Manchester City, I think he's going to be an auto-captain for a lot of managers this season. So my current thinking on Kane is... I don't think I'll have him in game week one, regardless of whether he's at Spurs or Manchester City. I just really like the the strikers this season, the, you know, between six and eight million. So even if Kane moves to Manchester City, I don't think that's going to force me to go in and change my plans. Yes, if he's at Manchester City, obviously that game week two fixture at home to Norwich looks amazing for captaincy. But I'm pretty sure Salah has a pretty good fixture maybe Burnley off the top of my head game week two as well so I think there's a pretty good captaincy there in Salah so yeah I don't think I will own Harry Kane for the first couple of game weeks of the season and it might be a case of maybe I won't own him until I play my first wild card whether that's early or towards the middle of the first half of the season so yeah Kane is not in my thoughts but maybe maybe if I log into the FPL website in a couple of days time and if he's wearing a, a you know a sky blue shirt instead of a white shirt maybe that will change my thinking but at the moment I don't have plans to go for Ari Kane question from Mark Cram as no player is essential how necessary is Bruno I've had him in all my drafts but recently downgraded to Sun and used funds to improve elsewhere, which I think I prefer. So I mentioned Bruno earlier. I think Salah is essential because of there's a lot of good captaincy fixtures in those first six game weeks for Salah, um, at least four. Uh, Bruno, I don't think the case is as strong for Bruno as it is for Salah. He's not essential. There's, I, th- I think there's a very good chance I'll go with him just because you know that captaincy rotation with Salah does look, look fine. For the first couple of game weeks, but I haven't made a draft yet without him, and I will. I will do it. You know, this week or next week, I'll build a couple of teams without Bruno, like Mark has done here. And I think Mark has answered his own question because he said he 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 got Sun instead, improved with the cash elsewhere, and he thinks he prefers it. So if it feels right to you, yeah, you don't need Bruno, especially if you think you're only going to captain him once or twice. Let's say in the first eight, nine, ten game weeks, there's a strong case to be made. Use your cash elsewhere, get something like Sun and just hope that it works out. So yeah, I think it's fine. I'm not 100% set on Bruno, so I'm looking forward to building a couple of teams without him and see how it feels. I was reading a, a good article on The Athletic this morning actually about the slight tweaks they're making to the rules this season in terms of, of penalties and, and VAR and stuff like that. So I think I think there was 125 penalties in the league last season, which I think was a new record. I think it was 92 penalties the season before. So they want to bring that number of 125 back down this season so I think we're going to see less penalties this season which again is probably not good news for Bruno Fernandes so that is something that's playing on my mind a little bit as well because if if his numbers if his number of penalties does drop you know obviously he's not he's probably not worth 12 million in unless you're going to captain him very very often so Bruno yeah it's a tricky one I think it's going to be one of my biggest decisions you know do I go with him or do I go without him and at the start of the season, there's no right or wrong answer there. As Mark says here, the most important thing is do what feels right. If going with Bruno feels right, pick him. If you prefer a team without him, go with that one. 
Question from Alex Ball. The template is strong to start the season, which is fine. The most interesting position seems to be the 6.5 to 7.5 midfield spot. Rafinha aside, who would you have if the season started tomorrow? Alex mentions Greenwood, Jota, Harvey Barnes and Buendia. So I do think Rafinha is possibly one of the most underpriced players in the game. So there's a very good chance he'll be in my squad. It's, it kind of goes back to that Manchester City-Chelsea question earlier. You know, If I think Rafinha is underpriced, should I not just put him in game week one and hopefully keep him for the season? Some people are saying, you know, Leeds have tricky fixtures to begin with. I think they've got Manchester United on the first day. You know, do I go without Rafinha and then come back to him in three or four game weeks time? You're kind of booking in a transfer. You know, maybe you could use that transfer on someone else in game week three or four if you go with Rafinha in game week one. So I do think Rafinha will be in my game week one squad for those reasons. I don't mind fixtures too much when it comes to Leeds and Rafinha because I think they can trump fixtures. They're a very, very good side. They can score against anyone. So Rafinha is my favourite in the 6.5 to 7.5. Of the others I mentioned, Alex asked me who else would be in there with Rafinha if the season started tomorrow. So I just had a quick look at the, the latest draft I made, which was a couple of days ago. Rafinha's in there and Buendia is in there as well at Aston Villa. And I think I like Buendia regardless of whether Grealish stays or Grealish goes. Really good player. Um, he had amazing underlying numbers when he was in the league before with Norwich, he, you know, in terms of chances created, he was right up there. So, yes, Buendia is a promoted player, but I'm more open to buying him because he's been in the league before and, and he did well and he, he's obviously a fantastic player. So, I like Buendia to begin with. So, if I was going to my head here, I would say Rafinha and Buendia to start the season probably in a 3-4-3 formation with Salah and Bruno. Yes, yeah, so you're looking at Salah, Bruno, Rafinha, Buendia. That's my current midfield four in a 3-4-3 formation. Uh, I like Greenwood. I think Rashford has finally gone and had the surgery. So I think that's probably increases Greenwood's chances of getting game time. I know Sancho's there now as well. I still think Greenwood will be a rotation risk player, which puts me off him. Jota, same reasons, rotation risk. So I'm probably going to go Robertson instead. Harvey Barnes coming back from injury. Leicester, you know, could use a few different systems this season. Will Harvey Barnes be in every system? I'm not 100% sure. I think there's some slights over Leicester because of you know signing Daka and stuff like that. Madison will be coming back in. So Barnes may be eased back into it after being injured. So that puts me off him to begin with as well. So yeah, Rafinha and Buendia. There's just two more names I'm going to throw in here. Not too many people are talking about them. Pepe at Arsenal, 7.5. I wouldn't start the season with him, but, but I would add him to the watch list because he could be underpriced. And I like Zaha as well. You know, Zaha under Patrick Vieira, maybe he could be a very good option. Zaha is one of those that kind of ticks the box for game week one. He's proven in the Premier League. He's a proven FPL asset. Uh, and he's always got the potential of doing well. I think he started the season really well last season. I remember him scoring a goal or two against against my Manchester United in the early game weeks of the season. So Zaha and Pepe, two more to consider there as well. But definitely Rafinha and Buendia are winning the race for me in that price bracket. Question from Jock FPL: Is Smith Rowe a viable enabler, or is he a transfer waiting to happen? So, Smith Rowe, very, very exciting prospect. I think at five point five million, you know, getting the number ten shirt, getting the new contract, he's just a really good player from what I've seen last season as well. So I've got high hopes that Smith Rowe will 
make that place in the Arsenal team his own this season. Uh, if he does, he's going to be in probably every FBL team at some point. Um, but the way I'm looking at it to begin the season is I don't think we need to get him to begin with because first four fixtures, Brentford, okay, great fixture to begin with. But then it's Chelsea and Manchester City, gimmick two, gimmick three. So I'm quite happy to wait, watch and see. Does Smithrow start those first three games? If he does, then game week four, Arsenal play Norwich. So I've kind of earmarked that one as a potential transfer in for Smithrow game week four. I think it's just easy because you can just, you know, give, you just buy yourself the time by not going from in game week one. If he, if he starts all three of the first games, then it's an easy transfer in whenever you can do so, whether it be game week four, game week five or whatever. Um, like Jock says here, it could be a it could be a transfer waiting to happen. If you decide to go for him in game week one, even if you just put him on your bench, which I don't think you do. If you're going to go for him in game week one, I think you've got to start him against Brentford. But it's it could be a case of, you know, he starts one game, benched on the next game, 60 minutes in the next game, and then you're thinking, right, shouldn't have got this guy, transfer out. You know, so yeah, I think it's better just to wait on Smith Rowe till around game week four. Uh, then we can be much more confident that he's going to be a good asset this season. Question from FPL Fledgling. Is four at the back a viable strategy? Fledgling currently owns Trent, Robertson, Dean and Shaw and thinks they have a huge upside considering their good run of fixtures. Absolutely. Four at the back is certainly viable this season. It's always viable, but I think this season it does look pretty good to begin with. I'm in a 3-4-3 formation at the moment. I will be building drafts between now and Game Week 1 that are 3-4-3, 3-5-2, 4-4-2. And probably 4-3-3 as well. So I could end up in four, four at the back myself this season. I'm pretty set on Trent and Robertson. I really like that double up. So it's a question of do I put one more with them in my back three or do I add two more? So yeah, absolutely four at the back is something to consider. Final question I will tackle for this week is from Anthony. How many non-playing bench players would you advise for at the start of the season? Taking into consideration players that are not nailed to start and covid which is already affecting teams' pre-season schedules. Yeah, we, we hoped COVID will be, would be well behind us at this point for this FPL season, but it's still, it's still there and it could still cause us a couple of issues, but hopefully not as many as last season. So I'm not really thinking about COVID too much when I'm going into you know building my Game Week 1 squad. I think my approach is going to be the same as it always is. I don't want to have any more than one player in my squad who doesn't play so ideally, you know, I want to have, have have 15 to play. Not 15, 14, because I don't mind my goalkeeper being a non-playing 4 million keeper. I just always pick one keeper, play them every game week. Um, but when it comes to the 15th spot, you know, third bench, I don't mind that being a 4 million defender. And hopefully, even if it's not game week one, hopefully at some point we'll get a 4 million defender who plays. They don't even have to play every week. But, you know, if they're getting some starts... That's the player I'm probably going to have as my 15th player. The setup I have at the moment is a 3-4-3. So you're looking at probably a 4.5 million defender as your first sub. And then a 4.5 million midfielder who who will play every week. So someone like Billy Gilmore or or Brownhill at Burnley look pretty good options there. You know, you're not expecting anything more than two or three points from those guys every week. But hopefully a few better options will emerge in those bargain basement positions. So yeah. When I'm setting up my game week one team, there won't be any more than one player who doesn't play. So that's probably going to be a four million defender. Um, so yeah, that's that's my advice on that one. 
Thank you for the questions, folks. If you want to get your question featured on the podcast at any point during the season, just keep an eye out. Usually on a Monday, I'll just put a, a tweet on Twitter at FPL General asking for questions, and I just pick out the best ones each week. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you find it useful as you tinker for the next couple of days. If you'd like to support me as a full-time fantasy manager, check out patreon.com forward slash FPL General where you'll get extra content and podcasts throughout the season. There's a few up there already and there's a new Slack channel set up for subscribers as well. Have a good week, folks. Happy tinkering and I'll be back next Tuesday with a Game Week 1 preview. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.